ready to yeah. rock out today on Lifts and Riffs. I'm Zach from Death Comes Lifting. This is Schuler from Death Drive 90.5. And today, my friends, we're not even going to mess around with a fancy intro. We're just going to say that we're talking to Steve fucking Tucker from Morbid Angel. Ah! A what? Who, you may ask? The singer from Morbid Angel for what I'm saying is their best albums. I'm going I'm to call it right now. I... I agree. And like before he comes in, you know, I don't want to I don't want this to be one of those conversations that feels like I'm blowing smoke up the guy's ass because, you know, I, I'm sure that that he gets that. But like I came into Morbid Angel on formulas like I love the old stuff. But for me, Steve Tucker is the voice of Morbid Angel. And like okay. when he came back for Kingdoms, I was so fucking stoked, man. Like, I'm so glad that he's back with the band. Uh, it just feels like home to me. Same. I came in on Gateways, and that remains my favorite album from Morbid Angel. And uh, having seen them a number of times with David Vincent, I just got to see them yeah. prior. Those was actually, a, and I definitely want to talk to him about this. It was my last show before lockdown was Morbid Angel, Incantation, and Watane in Pittsburgh. And that oh was, no shit! Yeah, that was my la- the last. That was in January of uh, again, yeah yeah. And that was the last show I saw. And it was the first time I saw Steve Tucker. And he absolutely just annihilated. Dude is, dude, dude is a force. And yeah, he's way better, in my opinion, than David Vincent. Not that I wouldn't love to have David Vincent on this podcast eventually. <laughs> I'm not talking shit. Yeah, we, we can talk about life on the ranch and all yeah. kinds of other. I like to peruse David Vincent's Instagram account from time to time just because he has farm animals. And like, yeah. that's cool to me. I think, yeah, David Vincent's doing his own thing, man. All, all respect, all respect. But uh, do you know, like, I, I know that you probably know more nerdy information about Steve Tucker than I do. To me, it's just like this awesome dude that fucking sang for Morbid Angel. Like, I don't really know any of like the, like how he's involved with writing or anything like that. Like, do you know? As I understand it, there's a little bit of a split. I think he handles a lot of the lyrics, and I'm yeah. excited to talk to you about that. But you know, he plays bass as well in Morbid Angel, and I don't yeah. know how much I don't know how much of the music he contributes. But I definitely, if he's if he's down to talk about that, I would I would love to hear sort of what the what the process is like creating those records um, because That's it's yeah, it's it seems like a uh, I I. A lot of times I feel like I can listen to a record and get like some kind of vibe about whether or not it was like a collaborative effort or like Cannibal Corpse just dropped a new song today. Right. Super fucking on their shit. That song fucking rips. But like I've gotten to where I can sit down and listen to a Cannibal Corpse record and be like 90 percent sure. Be like, this is a Rob Barrett song or be like, this is an Alex Webster song. Yeah. Um, with Morbid Angel, with especially with the Steve stuff, like I, I don't get any of that. It all seems like this one unified barrage. I'm curious if it's if it's you know just Trey or if it's them writing together. I'm really stoked to find out. Yeah, the vibe's completely different with him in the band. So I'm, I'm hoping he does contribute quite a bit. So let's let, let's see what what he says. Um, whenever he shows up, not here yet. He did say 6:30, right? I did indeed. All right. 
so we're good. We can bullshit for a little bit. So his, he has the best email address of all time, by the way. Not going to put it on blast, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I thought the same when he, when he, when he sent it to me, I was like, man, this is the shit. Yeah. I feel like he's either going to be really sweet or just like really tough. I, man, I, I think he's just a super direct dude. Um, as I like nice guy, but like, he's not going to bullshit you. Um, you know, well, it'll be, sort of interesting to see how he's been handling the quarantine like everybody else yeah uh, and i'm not sure where we're going to be talking to him where he's going to be talking to us from i don't know i don't know where steve tucker is I mean, that's probably the way he wants it honestly yeah <laughs> steve <laughs> tucker is, is in a black hole of isolation somewhere preparing fucking dank new shit to sing about on the next morbid angel record we can say that he uh, re- had to reschedule this interview because he blew out his voice last week. So yes, something's going down with Steve. Something, something's going down. We don't know what it is. I, honestly, man, I don't give a shit. Like whatever it is, everything that I've heard that he's been a part of, I've absolutely loved. Um, he was on that first Natter Sadek record, which you know I'm a huge fan of Natter Sadek, but Steve's voice really brought that record together. I think. Um, he was uh, he had a, another band called Warfather that put out two records. And I I don't know if they're just on hold or if they split up completely when he went back to Morbid Angel. Um, maybe we'll find out about that. But fucking that 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 first record had great songs on it. The production was kind of lacking, though. But that second Warfather record, the great eminence, dude, the songs were fucking incredible. And yeah. that production perfect. Yeah, man, it, re- it reminded me a lot of the. Uh the morbid angel era that we know and love from that shit but it was it's like a little crazier i would say yeah and i'm i'm curious about how much of that is is steve because he he sang in warfather but also at least according to um the liner notes he played guitar instead of bass so I'm, I'm curious about, yeah i'm curious about how much of the writing that he does and he uh in that project or in, in any other project that he's involved in have you ever seen uh, Morbid Angel live with Steve? Dude, I have never seen Morbid Angel live at all. How, how have I seen Morbid Angel like three more times than you have? I am a false. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I, I missed... Uh, and you're going to kick me in the ass for this, and you should, because I'm such a fucking idiot. I missed Morbid Angel on the Extreme Steel Tour in like 2000. It was them and Pantera and like Static X or somebody, and they were touring Gateways. Dude. And like I, I, I had a ticket and I ended up not going. Um, and I definitely had to have, I, have to have a great reason, or I will not accept why you didn't go. Well, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember exactly what happened. Like I was, I was in high school, um, and I, I, I it might have just been a question of me not being able to go. But I remember yeah. giving gave money to a friend to get a ticket for me my friends went they enjoyed it had a great time of course we had to take a little road trip to get there they had to take a road trip to get there um but that so that's the first time that i missed morbid angel the second time that i missed morbid angel was on the tour that you were just talking about back before the quarantine um they played in charlotte which is like an hour drive from columbia um but it was on a night before it was a school night and i was drowning in work and i couldn't find anybody else who was willing to go take that trip with me and so i just ended up not going obviously i regret that now as well 
Well, when tours are allowed to happen again, I feel like we should go see Morbid Angel together. I think that you're correct. And I think that that'll definitely be doable now that, uh, at least by then, we will be much closer geographically. Yeah, yeah we're going to make we're gonna make that a thing. They absolutely laid it down, dude. They played they played a they played good classic tunes, but they played obviously they played a ton of stuff from I think they played a good three or four songs from Gateways. Like at least their last song I think was Heaving Earth. Yeah. Like just like great cuts, man. And Steve Steve, it's not easy to play bass yeah. for Morbid Angel and sing for Morbid Angel, and he makes that shit look pretty effortless. He's a he's a beast. I, I... I agree, man, like that as you know, I'm not a musician, but one of the things that I always admire about Morbid Angel is just how unconventional a lot of the riffs and the song structures are and not in like a it's in a way that feels intentional and still entertaining, but it doesn't feel like they're trying to make you dizzy with their fucking licks and chops. You know what I mean? Like it's got its own life. And I think that that is one of the things that really makes them in any era of the band uh, stand out. Yeah, there's definitely atmosphere, but especially in the Tucker eras, I would those, those albums, Gateways, Formulas, and even Heretic. Um, yeah, man, I, I love I love Heretic. Um, I thought that you know the the sound on it was a little bit. It took some getting used to, and I, I think yeah. that everybody felt that way with the production on that record. But I remember sitting in my car in the parking lot of the record store where I worked at the time, and and panning the sound in my car stereo from the left side to the right side while listening to Heretic and being like, this is two different songs. Uh, it, it was it, it was so apeshit to me that I ended up just absolutely falling in love with that record. And some of the songs from that record are still some of my favorite Morbid Angel songs. Fucking um, God of Our Own Divinity. Uh, Praise the Strength is definitely on the Death Comes Lifting playlist all the time. Uh, praise the strength absolutely fucking rules and then within thy enemy i think is like the strongest morbid angel closing track next to god of emptiness like i absolutely love that, that song yeah same and I, I love how just weird it is like the, the whole album there's some like weird tracks it's a drum check on there you know it's like yeah just strange it's they, they like <laughs> fuck with you in the best way i'm a huge huge morbid angel fan i'm so excited bro this is about as excited as i get we will we will I'm I sure we'll sure be talking excited for the moment. Please, please do, please uh, do. What? So what's what's going on up in uh, up in the snowy hinterland? How you doing? It's all good, man. Just a standard issue Pittsburgh winter. You know, we got some shitty ice. We got some shitty snow. People bitch about it, but there's really no reason to because life goes on. We shovel our driveways and we we keep we keep at it. You know. It's really not not that much different. What do you? So what? Uh, what do you guys do about outdoor cardio up there when it snows? Just do it usually, <laughs> unless it's really bad. It. Yeah, most people just yeah. This is something that I'm that I'm trying to adjust to in in DC. Like it's snowing here right now, um, or it's not snowing right now, but there is snow and a little bit of ice on the ground, and like not wanting to go back to a gym, but still needing to get out there and, and do the running. Like I, I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen. Like if they, if there's like care <laughs> that they do for the sidewalks, like are there people out there salting the sidewalks and do, listen to my country ass. From oh, down yeah, no. South with no Your Southern blood. How, how, 
work. Your southern blood has to adjust. I think that just depends on the area if they're taking care of the sidewalks or not. But most people, most real people, man, they just bundle up and just do it. I wear fucking, I wear my PJs under my sweatpants, double up the hoodies, and just it, it feels good. Oh yeah. man, you know my tights game is on point now. Those fucking tights out there, pretty yeah, man. That's huge. I don't. I just don't. I just don't want to slip and break my ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. If it's too icy, I would just not. Probably, I would do some indoor. <laughs> I would do some. I would do some burpees and kettlebell swings for my cardio. You know. Oh, equally, good shit. Equally as brutal as slipping on ice. You looking through? Yeah, and then the uh, the yoga thing as well. That shit, like doing planks and shit like that. That fucking kills me, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, that's really all I've all I've been doing. It works. It it makes everything. It's one of the one of the workout routines that literally it makes everything better. It improves your strength, your endurance, your cardio gets better. It's 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 like total bang for your buck, and you don't you don't need anything. So yeah, definitely keep it up, brother. Is that what you've been doing more often than not lately? I know you've been back and forth a lot. I've been uh, no, I've I've I haven't had to do much inside lately. Like I do, I do. Um, I do like cardio shit in between sets when I'm doing calisthenics and push-ups and shit like that, just to keep my, keep my blood up. But as far as like the long, long runs and shit like that, I haven't had to go back inside yet. Like the only, okay. it's not cold that I'm worried about. It's the ice. I just don't want to like slip and, and break something. Cause like, yeah, for dude, sure, dude. that would be bad. Yeah, definitely don't do that. Just make sure it's not the, is it icy up in uh, DC right now? I just got into town a couple of hours ago and this and I haven't been out in it yet, but I'm gonna be going for a run tomorrow and I will let you know. Like there's definitely snow and everything on the ground. I just don't know how much of it is like ice. I mean hopefully you'll be okay, man. Just you know, vibe it out. That's what I do. That's right. If it's ice, it turns into a walk, you know? <laughs> turns right. into a power walk. Could maybe even turn into skating, who knows? Yeah. See, I just uh was checking the email to see. It's it's sent, but not nothing yet. It's all good. Yeah, uh, I can you hear me right now? Yeah, man. Okay, I'm not sure. I minimized Zoom on my phone, and I wasn't sure if it would or not. I'm checking to make sure he didn't like send me another Instagram message. He right. did not. Okay, hey man. So we'll hang, we'll hang and wait for Steve Tucker. So it's okay. I'll I'll wait all day for Steve Tucker. I don't give a fuck. Same, bro reschedule this as much as we need to we're making this happen yeah like well, he like he he got it go ahead i was just gonna say i feel like it's super cool that you just reached out to steve tucker and he was like yeah <laughs> it's the glory of the internet. i i'm wondering how many of these dudes especially like the old school guys who probably are, are used to like doing stuff on an album cycle and like going through publicists and pr people and shit like that mm-hmm. and again this could just be my ignorance, but I'm wondering how many people like are surprised that some dude just like randomly reaches out on the internet and is like, Hey man, would you come and be on my podcast? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it depends on how often it happens to them. I guess, I guess every one of them is different, but I always, I always assume it just happens all the time. Like I'm like, if, if I'm some idiot metalhead that has a podcast, like how many of them are there that like cold message, like, you know, Oh yeah, there's people. there's got to be a bunch. There's got to be a bunch, but 
we're doing all right. Speaking of, though, since Cannibal Corpse will be going on an album cycle, what do you think our odds are there with maybe Alex Webster or something like that? I feel like he... Oh, my God. Like How dope would it be to, talk, be to talk to Alex Webster? I like I... I feel like he'd do it. I think he would probably do it. And I think that those guys are like... Um, those guys are definitely people that I would want to talk to about like the, the physical end of playing death metal for as long as they have. Definitely. Um, when we, you know, specifically that the conversations about health and wellness and fitness that we have, like, yeah. you know, yes, those guys are getting older and there's a certain amount of care that needs to come with, with everybody getting a little bit older, but at the same time, like physically I'm, 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 I have to know what performing like that with that intensity and that kind of frequency does to your body after what fucking 30 years or something like that. It's crazy. They seem to be in pretty good shape. Still. Yeah. I mean, well, those, those dudes are lifers, you know, like they've been in the game since they were fucking kids. And uh, obviously they're, you know, they're in a fucking death metal band making this shit work for a living. So I'm sure that they, they know like how rare that is and they want to make sure that they keep that. And I guess that one of the main components to that is you get older is staying in shape so you can tour. And then there's corpse grinder that just is just a, a tank. I, I feel like he's, ro he's a robot, honestly. The neck. Now I have seen cannibal corpse, man. Cannibal corpse put on a fucking show. They're the best. They don't, they never get old. Their new single so good. I've definitely pre-ordered that record. It is, dude. I did too. I, I ordered the uh, the art book version, like the. I was looking for a version that had like an extra track or something because I'm a big sucker for that shit. There's not one of those. There's like a million different vinyl variants, but there's one that has some sort of ex expand expanded or extended art feature. I thought that was pretty tight, so I got it. Sprung for it. Yeah, I was uh, looking through and I was and I was thinking, I bet you got that one, especially because it's a CD. I got the vinyl with the alternate artwork because it's much more brutal. Dude, that alternate artwork, like, I, I, somebody retweeted last night, like, uh, the new Cannibal Corpse artwork is insane. And the first thing I thought was like, you motherfuckers have been fucking with Vince Locke too much about the subtlety of the last several Cannibal Corpse covers. Yeah. And he was like, all right, it's time to bring this shit back to the real game. He did. He did. There's a, there's a dead baby on it. There's a bloody vagina. We're, we're, <laughs> we're back. We're back to where we yeah. need to be. <laughs> we got an undead demoness eating a child. Like that's where that that's home to me. Yeah. I'm, I would like to, I would like to know if there's like in Vince Locke's mind, if there's like a backstory that like links all of the different cannibal corpse artworks. And like, oh, if maybe, what if the woman on the cover of the new record is the woman from the cover of the Wretched Spawn? I was what, say, maybe she's a butchered at birth baby that grew up. She, she maybe she grew up into the woman, and now she's continuing her killing spree. Like yeah. I like the idea of that. That's tight to me. That is tight. I feel like there's some lineage. It has to be. Yeah, I think if we got into a conversation with Vince Locke about this, we would probably end up biting off way more than we could chew. We're trying to. I'm, I've been actively trying to reach out to Vince Locke for a minute. 
He's a hard guy to get a hold of. Apparently, I, can I mean, talk he's to doing him. that. I mean, he's, he's making revolutionary cannibal corpse artwork happen. But, uh, yes. I, I wasn't mad at any of the subtle cannibal corpse Vincent Locke covers. I think I love the album Evisceration Plague, but I think if any of them were disappointing to me artwork-wise, it was that one. Yeah, Why? Just because it was darker, like you couldn't see what was going on. Yeah, and it was just like two zombies. Like it was, it, it seemed like it was like nothing to it. Like I liked kill. Like I like, I like how it was just the word kill. It was totally different. It stood out, and I love yeah. that record. Kill fucking is one of my favorites for sure. Kill, kill, kill is. I I think, and you know, this changes from time to time. My favorite record, my all time favorite record by Cannibal Corpse is Bloodthirst. It always will be. Like that's where I came in. Yeah. Absolutely, that record. Kill is probably number two. Yeah. Um, Makes total sense. So revitalized, just perfect songwriting. And then Eric Rutan coming in to mix that shit. Dude, he should have been doing their records all along. Like, you know, all, all the old stuff sounds great, but he's just a perfect match for that band, for their sound. Yes. I mean, so that's what I'm most excited about this new record for is because he's playing guitar on it. Yeah. Apparently, he wrote three songs on it. Yeah. Like, the, like whole songs, right? With like lyrics and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how that goes because his, you know, his style in Hate Eternal is definitely like dense and technical, but a lot of the the lyrical material in in Hate Eternal is not particularly on the same wavelength as Cannibal Corpse. So it'll be fun to watch watch him wade into the gore and play that part. Yeah, I feel like he he'd have a fun time doing that. Did he have any? Um, I didn't. I read into this. Did he uh, produce or mix it at all? Yeah, he produced it. He did he? That's so cool. Good yeah. for him. My man, my man's a hard working motherfucker. I, I dig, I dig him. He is. He and like that was so back in um we might have talked about this like on one of the earliest episodes of this podcast, but like my dream lineup obviously was for Pat O'Brien to stay in the band because I love Pat O'Brien and whatever he's doing now, I wish him well. Sure, um, man. But in the event that Pat O'Brien did not return, I wanted Eric Rutan playing guitar, and then I wanted Mark Lewis producing it. Mark Lewis is the one who produced Skeletal Domain, and I feel like even as awesome as, as Eric Rutan's production is in any band, but especially with Cannibal Corpse, there was something about Skeletal Domain that was a little bit deeper yeah. and like clearer and creepier. And Skeletal I, Domain is ill, dude, for sure. Mm -hmm to have to have that like group of people come together like i think that that must be what it feels like to play fantasy football i think that might be the closest that i've that i've gotten i can't really understand it but that's like that's that's my dream team right there i'm with you on that bro i like i, I think a skeletal domain is probably their most underrated record for I, sure I all the time one of the things we got we got Steve Tucker on the fucking podcast and we're going to talk about Cannibal Corpse until he gets on. Yes, we are. One of the one of the things that uh, that's throwing me off, and a lot of times, like I try not to get too into this kind of shit. Like, if you like music or if you have your own take on a certain band or whatever, like that's cool, that's your business. But one of the things that I'm not understanding is all of this fucking oh, this is a return to form shit talking yeah. about the cannibal corpse track or like this is uh this is the old cannibal corpse is back like what the fuck are you talking like what i i honestly cannot see anybody who likes this new song 
and I, I am, you know, 100% sure they're going to like the entire record. There's not a chance that they couldn't go back and find something to love off of every Campbell Corpse record that's come out. Like, especially the last four records. They're flawless. Definitely. And I feel like being a, saying it's a return to form, it's like what, what form, like what era, like what, like you talk, you talking about like bloodthirst, you talking about like the bleeding, you know, like yeah. that would make sense. Like there's like so many different vibes from Cannibal Corpse throughout the year. There is. And they, they created the fucking form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, uh, I just, I, I can't abide Cannibal Corpse slander, man. There's so much. No, I don't so either. I'll just like hear it and I'll be willing to let it go. But talking shit about Cannibal Corpse, like songwriting wise, I just don't get it, man. Especially when you're talking about this, you know, return to form shit. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Although I will say for whatever reason, and maybe I just didn't give it enough listens, but their latest one didn't resonate with me as as heavily as like a skeletal domain did. Oh, man, you got to go back and listen to it, especially having seen play some of those songs live. God damn. Yeah, I mean, I totally enjoyed it and enjoyed seeing them live. But uh, yeah, I, I should I should give it a few more spins. Uh, yeah, that that opening track, "Only One Will Die," is one of my favorite Cannibal Corpse songs. Like yeah, they every every time, so you know I carry the uh, the burned compilations of CDs in my car because that's just the kind of old school motherfucker I am. You're gangster as fuck, dude. Every time Cannibal Corpse releases a new record i have to go back and like change that stuff up and i finally had to break man because i've got i had a disc of barnes and then a disc of corpse grinder but with this last record it had to bump up man so now i got two discs of corpse grinder and one disc i mean it's it's understandable i mean if you look at the amount of of songs that barnes has and the amount that corpse grinder has it's only math yeah, I mean it is, and they, a lot of the a lot of the corpse grinder songs are short, but that True. just means that you can fit more of them. True, which is I, necessary. Uh, I am partial. I have a soft spot for uh, the careful of my choice of words for this one, the for Tomb of the Mutilated. But uh, yeah, it's just it's probably because it shocked me the most when I first I was like twelve when I like found a physical copy of it. And I was like, Whoa. yeah even is this can music even sound like this is am i allowed to even be looking at this and it just always has a great vibe for me well, it's just mm-hmm. has a has a tender place in my heart just just the titles alone were so shocking yeah. i you know i i, I kind of worked backwards with cannibal corpse like i got into bloodthirst was their most recent record or it might have been just about to come out when i first started listening to them but i didn't work my way back into the barn stuff until like my first year of college. Cause I, I was a big six feet under fan and I sort of preferred him there at the time. Yeah. Um, but like I, I was in college and I'd been listening to fucking death metal for a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I got a copy of tomb of the mutilated and was looking through the titles and the lyrics and was just like, Jesus Christ, this is, <laughs> this is a lot, you know what I mean? And it's, it's still, it's, it's just, you know, it's, that that search like we talked about with jimmy that that search that quest for extremity and i think that at that time they were sort of painting on a part of the canvas that nobody had gotten to yet barnes just committed to that shit and was like we're gonna go to the absolute nastiest vilest places possible and that's 
it still stands that way to this day. It does. It's hard to hard to top that, and uh, musically too. It's just uh, very guttural and just different sounding. Like I, I feel like um, maybe some of the later stuff, unless you're a super cannibal corpse nerd like us, you can put on a random song and maybe not know what album it's from. But I feel like yeah. every song on Tomb of the Mutilated, you know, it's from Tomb of the Mutilated. Yeah, the fucking they they still they they still had that kind of chaotic like coming off the rails vibe that that Bob Rusé had when he was playing guitar with that band because he you know legendarily was not taking his skills to the level that they wanted when they when they moved on to the bleeding. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that sort of the combination of like the technicality and the sharpness and that little bit of like punk sloppiness that was still there on Team of the Mutilated I, I it was just a a really interesting and intriguing match and they don't have another record that sounds like that no it's a perfect storm for sure it is the, the bleeding though i do is so you'd say tomb is your favorite yeah record for sure i and i would have to go with the bleeding man like i i just i feel like the songwriting on there is unparalleled it is so tight and it's like some of the most memorable shit that they'd ever written. And just like every single song on there is, you know, by Cannibal Corpse's standards, fucking memorable and heavy as shit. I loved it. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I think it just comes down to when we're talking to such big Cannibal Corpse fans, it just ends up being a personal preference because there's not one record I don't like, really. There's exactly. One Cannibal Corpse song that I don't really like. There's they They have never had a misstep. They have never put out a mediocre or bad record by any stretch of the imagination the one record of theirs that i the, the best way to say it is that i love least is gallery of suicide it's it's got some killer songs on there but i feel like they were in a little bit of like a identity crisis and and a, and a personnel crisis regarding you know, just getting Pat in the band and that massive leap in technicality and songwriting from Vile um, or for, between Bleeding and Vile, you know, you could tell that they really wanted to push it, but yeah. it was like they weren't quite sure what pushing it would look like. And in the middle of that struggle, while trying to acclimate to a new guitar player and to, you know, losing a member, uh, a dude like Rob Barrett, who's been back with the band for a long time, he's amazing. Um, it just, it, it feels a little bit off it does but at the same time it makes it like kind of a cool place in their history that's documented if you can look at it that way too oh it's, most definitely like i said you know it's it's the record that i love least um for sure i will kill you <laughs> i think one of the the most straightforward and like lyrically some they're they're cannibal corpse lyrics and song titles that fucking crack me up for reasons yeah. that i can't always put my finger on i think it's the directness of i will kill you Definitely. it's just like this is the statement you know i, I fucking makes me laugh thinking about it but some I of the other stabbed in the throat was great stabbed in the throat, <laughs> stabbed in the throat is one yeah um, also off that album off of uh torture there's a song called followed home then killed <laughs> it's it's horrible right but uh, for some reason there's something there's something about it it's just like it's awkward i don't know i don't know how else to put it but it's crack it cracks me up definitely me too man me too gross, well, dude, gross I, 
the one word song titles are great too. Unnatural, grotesque, yes. headless, you know, <laughs> like all um, yes, yes. Unnatural from Evisceration Plague. That's a fucking record that I think is a little bit easy to skip over for some people because they, it seems like it didn't quite get the same amount of publicity, maybe that the the record before it or after it got that that Torture or uh, Kill got. And there there are so many catchy, solid, tight songs on there. I, I think Priest of Sodom is one of the most unique and also catchiest cannibal corpse songs ever well we should what we should should have... Zach and shoulder do best when we're waiting for a guest to arrive now we know we can just talk about fucking cannibal corpse but for now let's get steve tucker in here baby oh yes is he is he knocking on the door He's knocking on the door all right it's time to do it good save though we should just have a fucking cannibal corpse podcast we should lips and riffs 2.0 Stabbed in, stabbed in the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> you do like a come up with some sort of lifting routine around that, like stabbed in the glutes. Yeah. You know, like, hello. Uh, hello, Steve. Can you hear us, brother? Yeah, man. I hear you just fine. Oh, hey, Steve, man. Sorry, Sorry. man. My internet. I couldn't get my internet to, to hook up. I don't know what was going on. It kind of reset itself. But that's no worry. As long as we get you now, we're happy. I'm I'm Schuler. I'm the guy you've been talking to on Instagram, and and I'm here with uh with Zach from Death Comes Lifting. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Glad you guys are here, man. Sorry about this, but I'm glad I'm here. Oh, no yeah, worries. no, no worries at all. We um we were just talking. <laughs> we well, it's been a long it's been a long and interesting conversation. It's taken a lot of interesting turns and twists. Talking about death metal, old and new. Um, but the, one of the, uh, things that we were discussing is our, our rescheduling from a week ago, um, specifically because of, uh, of, of what we are hoping is a very fortunate, uh, or or an unfortunate byproduct of something very, very fortunate coming in the future. Can you talk any about that? Man, I've got three projects going on right now that are they're all pretty badass and they're all pretty exciting. Um, honestly, every one of them is more extreme than the other one, just in different ways. One's extremely technical and um, actually, uh, I think a little more maybe modern than old school. One of them's straight up old school and the other one's kind of a, a, a that's still processing. Man. But Whoa. yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, man, I'm stoked. I actually spent this. Well, not this year. I know the year's just changed. I still haven't gotten used to that yet because yeah. I haven't left my house hardly in a year. So like, uh, it seems like the same day over and over. But luckily, man, you know, I, through talking through f- to friends, uh, ended up, you know, just doing, getting to do some projects for people that I wanted to do projects with, man. I mean, it's uh, the COVID things, sort of a pain in the ass, but at the same time, man, uh, I think it's going to, the outcome of it musically is going to be pretty interesting for, I think, a lot of people, not just myself, you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to the things that I've got going on, but I'm looking forward to hearing a lot of things I hear people have going on right now. Absolutely. Like I, three different projects. Holy shit, man. Oh, bro. You know what, man? I mean, you know, there's a lot of hours in the day and there's a lot of days in the year and like. You know, there's not a lot else going on. So, I mean, you know, they're they're all three different and it's they're all three opportunities to get to uh, 
get to perform in different ways, you know. That's awesome, man. And we, you know, both Zach and I have been big fans of your work for a long time. And one of the things that I have enjoyed is sort of watching you appear in different contexts over the years. Um, you know, your, your work with Morbid Angel, your work with Warfather. Um, I was a huge fan of that Natter Sedeck record. Um, felt, definitely felt like your, your vocals sort of anchored it, centered it. Um, what do you, what do you look at when you when you plan to get into a project like what attracts you to getting into a project like you know people man you know i mean like dude i've i've, I've done this for for a long time and i can't say that i've had the uh, luck to have been in bands with my quote-unquote best friends you know i mean it's always sometimes it's been uh you know about a creative um uh um compatibility and not so much friendship compatibility and I mean, through the years, man, of touring and, of you know, doing this, I've met so many people that I just think are fantastic, cool people, you know, and, it, and it's really about getting to play music with them. And I, that's what's what's key to me is, man, someone's attitude, you know, uh, how excited they are about something. You know, I mean, all of those things are contagious. You know, if, if someone's extremely, you know, stoked about something, I mean, it, and there's a you can't help but yourself be a little stoked about it. So uh, for me, that's what I'm looking for. Just people that I want to make music with people that, uh, you know, I mean, I, it's an opportunity, man. I mean, I could see it as a depressing groundhog day happening over and over or, or an opportunity. And I see it as an opportunity to get to create some new stuff. You know, I mean, I've always wanted to do different stuff, man. I, I've been into music since I was a kid. And, and I mean, honestly, man, I, regardless of what people think, it never made me rich. It never, it never bought me a, a beautiful home. It never, it never, uh, you know, did any of that as honestly, to be honest, it was more of an inconvenience than anything to be a death metal musician. You know, I mean, uh, if only I was prettier, you know, if only I could dance, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do any of those things, but you know, what I'm saying is, my kind of music, it never made, it, it didn't really make too many people rich, you know, it definitely didn't make me rich. So just like when I was 15, I'm playing music because I love it. And that's the yeah. only reason to do it. That's awesome. I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for having had a career in this kind of music for as long as you have and to still, to still feel that kind of excitement, you know what I mean? And to be able to connect with other people and share that, like that's got to be a pretty incredible feeling to still, to still have something like that be that special for you, even though it's been uh, such a constant in your life for so long? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, no, ma no matter how many times you do it, when a song starts coming together, especially when it's a song that you really like, I mean, man, there's nothing more magical. I mean, it, it's really kind of the only thing that's really, truly magic in my life. You know, I mean, um, you know, I know... I don't know. People have different ways of seeing the word magic. Magic to me is something happening out of nothing. And um, that's what music is. I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing and it's in somebody's brain. And then this guy has a riff, this guy has drums. And then I get to come along and sort of put the icing on, man. It's, it's not a bad gig. And I don't know how I could never be excited about that. Honestly, it's for me, it, uh, I'm more, I get more excited about that than anything. You know, when you're on tour, sometimes you're doing the same thing over and over every single day, you know, often the same set and things like that. And uh, the day becomes a pain in the ass. But then when you go on stage, it's everything. It's kind of the same thing with a new song. It's like everything. When that new song's happening, man, it is absolutely everything in my world. I, I don't sleep. 
I don't really, I mean, I'm, I dream about the, the song. Like if I'm working on a part, if I'm trying to get vocals for a part, I will literally dream it and then often wake up and have to write it down. I, I, I came up with the part in my sleep, you know. And that's true. So you, sorry, Shu, go ahead. I was just say that mindset, man, that like obsessive mindset, man, that's like shit you hear like Olympic athletes talk about, you know, anyone that like really excels in in their craft. So that, that doesn't surprise me at all for you, man. I mean, especially uh, I've had the privilege of seeing you guys, uh, you play Morbid Angel live once. That was actually my last show before the uh, pandemic happened wow. in, in Pittsburgh with uh, Incantation of Watte. And, and you know what, man? That was my best show ever in Pittsburgh that I've dude. ever been a part of. I, we played in Pittsburgh with Pantera at the Igloo, which was its own cool fucking thing. Yeah. You know, but that show, man, that show in Pittsburgh was fucking it was it was brutal. And for me, man, that was kind of a hometown show in a way, man. I, I live pretty close to Pittsburgh now and my woman came to that show. And oh, so man. it was like sort of the hometown show. And it was my friends showed up. That was a great fucking show, bro. Bro, that makes me so happy to hear that. It makes me like it even more, dude, because I, I had the time of my life. It was you were on absolute fire, man. I mean, it just, was a great show, man. I yeah. the vibe was there. The mood, everything was there, man. It was it was brilliant. Cool, man. I'm so glad to hear that. Just you playing bass and singing at the same time. Like we were talking about before, talking before the uh, you came on, just about what what you bring to the table in either Morbid Angel or your, your other product projects. And I was uh, just wondering, does it depend on pr from project to project, like what your songwriting process is like, like what you bring into it? Do, do you contribute bass and guitar parts as well as vocals and lyrics? Or is it just... Uh, like what, what do you prefer? Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, it's again, that's an individual thing. Like one of the projects I'm doing, all I've done is vocals. I'm doing it with a guy, with, with, with a buddy of mine, Sonny, who was playing an incantation on that tour. He was the guitar oh, incantation on that tour. He's a great shredder. Him and my brother became friends before him and I became friends, you know, and then him and I became friends. So I ended up doing this this project with him agreeing to do this with him and on that man honestly all i do is sing honest i, I told him really honestly um even lyrically i did write lyrics but what i really did was uh i wrote lyrics from uh pre-existing ideas that he had you know i want the song to be about this and he sort of explained it a little bit to me and then it was sort of my job to uh to uh, fill in the blanks, you know, I mean, I sort of had an outline of an idea and then fill in the blanks and make it work to the music. You know, other project, I'm playing bass and I'm singing, you know, the Warfather thing, I'm kind of writing a little bit of music for Warfather right now. I play guitar and that. I think it's just all about the project, man. Um, you know, with Warfather with me playing guitar, that was because honestly, I became the main writer and I've never been a writer on bass. I've never really written anything on bass, maybe a one little piece to a, a song, a fill or something, but I've never written a whole song on bass. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I ever will at this point, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, sure. but, but guitar, I've always written songs on guitar. I've been playing guitar since I was like seven years old, you know? So uh, I, I actually don't even remember when I started playing guitar at this point, but like I've always written songs on guitar. So for Warfather, it was just only natural for me to do that and as well, man. Why not get to do a few solos? It's something different that no one ever heard me do before. And I get yeah. to do that more, Father. You know, so each individual project, I think, has it sort of kind of tells me what it needs once from me, if you will. I don't know, man. That seems a little 
spiritualistic tree hugging bullshit. Oh, but man. like, I mean, each thing has its own calling, I guess, you know. Absolutely. You know, what about when you first got into the fold with uh with Morbid Angel with those fir first few records? Did it were you just purely a, a vocalist? Uh no, no. I mean, um honestly, I've been playing bass and singing in bands since I was 16 or 17. Okay. I moved from guitar. I was playing guitar and singing. I, I mean, I was a, I love James Hetfield, dude. You know, um, first three, four metallic albums to me, man. I don't care. I, I will fight you if you tell me you they suck. You know what Fuck I mean? You. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. You're wrong. You don't know music if you think those albums suck. I yeah. love Metallica early stuff, and James Hetfield was my hero. So I kind of wanted to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I kind of yes, wanted yes. to be a – I didn't want to be James, but I wanted to be a little bit like James, you know? All right. And, uh, and then, you know what, man, there's all kinds of badass guitar players everywhere where I lived. There were guitar players out the ass, man, but no bass players, you know? And, um, of course, you know, I love Lemmy, man. I love fucking Tom Araya. I love fucking Kronos. It only made sense for me to just start playing bass and sing, man, like so many people that I, I, that I already liked, you know? And I honestly, it really freed me up a lot, man. I, it, it was something that at that time I could have continued to, to struggle a bit but man, it really freed me up. My abilities, you know, my abilities were, were completely there. And with bass, you can be just a little bit more wild and hard. With a guitar, you have to be so soft. And man, when I'm singing, sometimes being soft is not an option, man. I really, you know, I really start to bang it hard. I mean, there's, there's plenty of pictures on me live where there's blood all over my hands. It's because I tear them up myself, man. It's, it's, you know, I, I'm just destroying my bass. I've, I have this one bass. I did one. I have this new bass that I did one tour on it. I need to get the thing repainted. I beat the shit out of it, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was a Watane tour and that was an awesome tour. So, you know, I mean, I played right. my ass off on this thing and it already needs to be fixed up a little bit, you know, one tour. So, so that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it all. You say sports. I played sports, man. You know, and I, I think it actually was very important to my early development mentally to, to uh, actually not always be the best dude there, you right. know, to not always be the best player. Because, sure. you know, man, we all knew some guy when we were 11 who was just way better than everybody else. You know what I mean? And, and I was that sometimes. Sometimes I wasn't, man. It teaches you humility, teaches you to get along with people. It teaches you how to work with people. Sports do, I believe. You know, um, and, and actually also – it teaches you how to deal with a superstar. So when you run into a fucking total freak like Trey, you can kind of handle it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I swear to you, man, if I didn't play sports, if I didn't play sports, I could have never dealt with Trey. I could have never understood the guy and, and his uh, sort of natural ego. You know, like, I mean, it's just something that you just learn. Some There's some people, man, that they're just, uh, I don't know, they shine a little bit brighter. He's one of those fucking people, you know, and, uh, you kind of learn to, to kind of listen a little bit and take in what he's trying to say as well as what he's saying. You know, you strike me yeah. as killing him as being the hardest worker in the room type guy. Man, to the point where I sometimes will look in the mirror and say, you're a fucking idiot. You know, I mean, like, um, you know, if, if is man, I did construction my entire life besides besides uh, music, you know. And dude, I'm always that guy. I'm a big guy. I don't, you know, if you've met me, I'm I'm not a little guy. I'm the guy that's always uh, yeah, I'll grab that heavy beam. I got the other end, 
You know what I mean? I'm that dude. Yeah, I can lift this. I got this while you other three people slide something underneath it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, yeah. it's, I've kind of been that person. I guess you nailed it, dude. Yeah, you kind of nailed it. So with you've had a, a number of different musical projects that you've been pursuing throughout the pandemic, and that's fucking awesome. Like, I absolutely can't. And I, that Sonny, uh, Sonny and that Flesh Ties record, that was fucking awesome. I cannot wait to hear what you guys are doing together. Um, yeah, that thing's called Arise the Worms, and he's been uh, slowly leaking out little bits and pieces of it on, like, Facebook and things like that. But, man, honestly, it's one of the it, – when I when I finished it, you know, um, I sat back and – I was really literally like, holy shit, man, this, this, this shocks me. This excites me, man. This makes me headbang, you know? So, I mean, I'm really excited for people to hear it, man. Dude, that's awesome. So uh, what else, what else have you been doing with the pandemic? Like this, this, uh, this sort of podcast was kind of born of us wondering what a lot of our favorite musicians were up to now that they weren't able to tour. Um, we've gotten a whole lot of really interesting sort of backstories about life outside of music. Like, can you talk a little bit about like what the last year has been like for you personally, if you don't mind, like we're, we're very curious, man, honestly, a part of it, I spent ill, man. I think, um, I think I got coronavirus early and oh, I, no. yeah. So I tested for the, the antibodies and stuff like that after the fact, but, um, then man, it was, so I kind of spent some of the year, man, like dealing with some, some physical health issues, but pretty much writing music the entire time, man. I started writing around last February, February of 2020. I started just writing little bits of pieces. And I was just looking at things yesterday. And I wrote like 37 pieces of music in the past year. And not, not all of them are whole songs. Some of them are a minute long. Some of, some of them I've only contributed vocals or whatever. But I've been a part of a whole lot of music over the past uh past year or so and uh none of it's ready to come out yet but it will be starting to here in the next few months and i think it you know for me i think things are changing man and i'm wanting to change with it you know i'm losing interest in doing albums i think it's kind of a waste of fucking time to go in and record nine songs three of them get played on spotify over and over and over the three songs that people like rest of it people forget it even exists nobody buys cds so fuck it. I don't even want to do that anymore. Fuck that. I would like to start recording three songs at a time. Do two or three songs, release it. Do that a couple times a year, man. Keep it fresh. You know, it keeps it fresh for people, keeps it fresh for me, you know? Yeah, for sure. You, <laughs> you know, you don't have to live with those songs quite as long, I don't think. We were we talked to uh, John McKinty uh, not too long ago on the podcast, and one of the things that he was talking about was the, the buildup and the weight um for their last full length to come out so having to live with those songs for such a long time and then sort yeah. of feeling like he was ready to move on and try something different it would be really fun uh i think especially for 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 guys who sort of came up like you you know in a in a career where the album cycle is everything right to right. see what that production is going to be like without those sort of restrictions um and one of the things that you sort of have to think about in that situation is the, the logistics of putting all of it together um, when it comes to recording and writing and everything. Do you, do you have a home studio or do you have a place nearby that you go? Man, I, I've, over the years, starting in 1997, I got into digital recording. Carl Sanders from Nile showed me his rig that he was using live and explained to me how you can use a computer to record 
music, I was using a four track cassette tape, you know, setup thing up yeah. until that point, a drum machine and a four track, you know, from that point on, I have uh, just made my home recordings better and better and better to the point now where I have a vocal booth at home. I have a be- I have as good a setup at home to do vocals as is uh, maybe not as Eric Rutan, man. Uh, he's got many more years invested in in certain things there, but I have a good enough where I can do album quality vocals from home all day long. And actually, these recordings that are coming out, they've all been done right here three feet from where i'm sitting right now you know um i i engineer it by myself man i use my ipad to to as a controller as a, as a surface controller for for logic pro on my iMac, and like i do everything right there by myself man uh it's honestly i found it to be the most efficient effective way to do vocals i think the vocals that i have coming out like on the arise the worms i think they're the best vocals i've ever done i think they're the best vocals that have have ever been recorded and and uh put out by me like literally God damn. and i'll tell you why yeah. the reason why is because i built this i built up my place to where now all i have to do is have an idea walk in and do it you know like i, I just yeah. as long as i'm warmed up i'm good whereas in the studio you spend a lot of times with technical difficulty you spend a lot of time finding levels because you don't own that studio and the setting on the compressors change with every single person that comes in. So at home, nobody else sings through my stuff. Nobody else does it. It's in the room. It's set up. It's all ready to go. All of my settings are there. As soon as I'm warmed up, I'm ready to sing. So I get a lot more quality time recording vocals as opposed to, you know, dealing with other issues, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine that sort of being a whole lot easier than having to deal with the pressure of getting all that shit right when you're on the dime you know, on the clock yeah. on somebody else's dime in a studio. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and, and the thing about it is, is man, it's when I'm recording, I can feel when something's a great take anyway, you know, and I, and I try and do large sections, paragraphs, however, you know, and I'll know it. This is great. I'll go back and I'll listen. Yep. I'm right. I'm, I'm right. 99% of the time. Occasionally there might be something in there. Okay. I got to redo it because I accidentally bumped the screen or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? But usually, man, I mean, most of my takes, man, are bang. You know, they're right there. And, and honestly, it's it's so efficient that I'm able to to maintain my power instead of having to sing for eight hours a day, you know, with, because you only have so many days to do vocals. So you got to do as much as you can in a day. Instead, I just do, you know, a couple, two hours a day. Therefore, my vocals are, are stronger. It's just like being on tour an hour and a half, two hours a day. I'm singing really hard. As long as I'm warmed up, man, it's it works out beautifully. Awesome, dude. Well, man, what I, I have to ask, uh, being a uh, from death comes lifting, I'm a strength and conditioning coach by, by trade. And uh, just hearing you talk, your work ethic, I've seen you play live, you're a machine. Just I want to know what you do to keep yourself healthy and in shape, either on the road or just at, at home right now. What, what's your routine like if you have one? It's out of curiosity. Man, I read this book by Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the back in the early 90s, some point, you know, about back when I was lifting weights and stuff. And he actually nailed it in that book. Man, I think about 80 percent genetics. I, I literally do. You know, my dad still got biceps and my dad still, you know, he could take a shirt off in public. And and all people are going to say is, damn, that old dude looks pretty good. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so, I mean, genetically, man, I've got that. You know, but also, man, you know, for years I, I've done physical work. I've, I wasn't a physical laborer, but I did physical work. 
So, I mean, it, it, it's, I think you, you, your metabolism after so long starts to just become what it is. At this point, I actually have problems putting weight on, man. When I was younger, I could, I could throw on weight. Like if I wanted to bulk up, I could do it, you know, like now it's uh, the weight doesn't come as easily, you know, it just doesn't, things don't stick to me. And I, and I believe that's truly genetic, you know? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. It is, it is 80, it's 80, 20, they say. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think that, um, I've just known too many people that, you know, had better eating habits than me and things like that and end up with a big gut and, you know, like, and it's, sure. it's really, honestly, you meet their dad and he's got a big gut. So it's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it is what it is, man. What's the, uh, what's, what's the kitchen set up at the Tucker household look like, man? Are you, are you a big grill fan? Like, what do you, what do you get down on? Man, you know, um, we just put in a new kitchen last year, you know, and um, it, it's something we had planned for a couple of years. And to be honest with you, man, we now are all about eating at home. I mean, uh, we and, and I have to say, man, that I pretty much got pushed out of the kitchen. My woman is a, is a I mean, she's a, she's she's a she's a machine in there, man. She blows my mind. She makes all kinds of great things. And the good thing about it is, is it's all pretty healthy, just, you know, by nature. Not a lot of fried foods, man. We don't do a lot of fried foods, you know probably probably a good thing yeah we do a lot of chicken and a lot of different kind of chicken dishes you know um there's a million different ways you can prepare chicken you know oh yeah dude for sure we um we are big chicken fans in my house as well i, I um what so one of the things that i like to ask for people who spend a whole lot of time out on the road um and just out of curiosity how, how long has it been since you were on the road man you know we finished uh december 23rd of 2019 and uh, that was it. That was that was the last time. Yeah, that was the last show we played. I think Miami or uh, some somewhere down by Miami. I'm not sure exactly where it was. Um, Fort Myers or Miami, something like that. And yeah, that was the last show, man. What's the uh, what's the guilty pleasure trash food that you find yourself hitting when you're on the road? Man, weed. <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> edibles dude that is my that you know i'm not like one of those guys who really wants a lot of uh i can't wait to get here for cheese steak or you know like those kind of things man yeah, no yeah. thanks man but i'm gonna try the fucking edibles <laughs> i mean that's do just those, uh, that's just who those, i am you know do those vary like is there is there like a are there better places to get edibles than others well yeah yes of course i, I think that places that um you know, some of the, the more artsy places, dude, like Seattle, you know, when you're, when you're in Seattle, you actually find people who are actually like, you know, they're, they're making edibles, but, but they're, they're a world-class chef, you know? And I mean, these edibles are like this, you would never even guess that it was infused with anything. It's just the most amazing bonbon you ever tasted in your life, you know, so, <laughs> or, or, or whatever, you know I mean? It's, it's yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, Man, you know, when, when you when you smoke, when you're part of that and people know, a lot of times, man, we go places, people show up like they come to us, you know, hey, Steve, man, I heard that you, you know, you partake and they share, man. You know yeah. what I mean? And honestly, it's 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 always makes for new friends and a wonderful day. You know, it's a great thing.
Well, next time you're in Pittsburgh, sir, I, I got you taken care of. All right. That, that, that sounds great to me. Are you, are you more of like a, a pastry edible kind of guy? Do you like, do you like the candies? Do you smoke? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. But uh, I, I'm, I'm literally willing to try anything that's, you know, I'm not too fond of like, say like the candies as in suckers or hard candies or things like this, but like uh, the chocolates and the, and the, um, the bonbon, those, all those are just wonderful cakes, things like that. They're just, I mean, come right. on, everybody loves cake and an infused cake. Jeez, you know, can't right. go wrong there. Right. So yeah, man. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, be my guest. Excellent. We'll do a little trade-off. You come in, you see the show. Yeah. <laughs> Done deal. There's been there's been many a days where I've been on, on edibles listening to gateways to annihilation, just staring at the album cover. So that's, excellent, man. You know, that. that album cover was one of those ones that I, I was so glad that when we did that, honestly, the formulas cover for me, it's cool. It's weird. It's abstract. It's fucked up. What what is it? You know what I mean? But dude, the gateways cover that that's a death metal album cover for me, you know, and uh, I, I myself have stared at it. And my, I myself have looked for for the small details in there. And, uh, you know, that's that's the way album covers should be. That, the last few albums that I've done, I've tried to actually have good covers on them. You know, I've, I've worked with a guy, Ken Coleman, who is, I think, the best digital artist out there. And the guy just uh, his little details are so beautiful, you know. Yeah, it makes for the whole experience, you know, it's part of the whole uh, death metal experience. That's one of my uh, gateway albums into the genre was was gateways. And it was a, it was a total package. It was hearing the music, looking at the looking at the album cover. The, the music's crazy. It's atmospheric. It's 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 everything, man. So that, that man, you know, important. I've got those same memories of Master of Puppets. Sure. South of Heaven, sure. Rain and Blood. I mean, dude, uh, you know, and, and, and I get it. And to me, I really honestly have said for years that I felt the music industry has missed that, that that point kind of went away. You know, it came to the CD um, and then the MP3. Fuck, you don't get anything with the MP3. You don't know anything about the album. You don't know anything about, you know, anything, man. You know, so I really wish you obviously digital music going forward is always going to be the way it gets delivered. It's, it's not going to change. There'll be new formats. But I really wish that somehow they would really start to take the context, the other context that's missed and it could come in. I mean, it seems like the opportunity is there to make it a much more interactive experience like it used to be. Well, especially when what you were talking about of your, your interest in releasing like EPs, like three songs at a time, I think it's really intriguing to, you know, have each EP, each couple songs represent a piece of a whole. So at the end, you, you're, you're into like a kind of a whole album or a whole could cohesive cohesive piece i think that'd be something really interesting to do with yeah man i've been thinking that's the way i want to do it for the last five years or so i've been thinking that honestly people have the attention span of a fucking dead fly mm -hmm. you know and i mean it's it's really hard to to keep anyone's interest and they tell you all use social media well social media is psychotic man and i'm not interested i'm not interested in being on there trying to sell myself hey remember me i'm steve look here i did a dumb video you know what i mean like um just so you remember my name fuck if i'm that easily forgotten suck a dick you know what i mean fuck you go away you know what i mean <laughs> your, your brain's not really worthy of me I, I believe if i'm so easily forgotten you know so but i do believe that the attention span that is out there now i believe putting out three songs at a time. That's just enough to keep people like, God damn, man, I want to hear more. 
You know, yeah, I want to hear right. more. I can't wait for the for the next edition. I don't know if you're into reading much, man. I've, I've read a lot my entire life. Stephen King did like the Green Mile series many, many years yes. ago. Yeah, like, he released it a chapter at a time, man. I ate that shit up, man. He had me by the he had me like like a like a trout, man. You know, hooked. So did I. Was, I, man. I yeah. that came out when I was I was a kid, and I had to get my mom to take me to fucking Walgreens every however often to buy the new the new chapter, the new insert or whatever the little divided yeah. up they had. Dude, that was it, awesome. And, and you read the other one right before it again. Like, you know, it's about to come. So you read the you read the previous chapter again, you know, and, and yeah, in anticipation. So, hey, why not have a little bit of that in music, man? I, I think that it's uh, I think it's a uh, I think it, it, it really f- suits modern times better. I mean, nine songs, that's way too much for people to take in. I think people buy albums and there's songs that they literally never even listen to. For sure. Which is which is crazy to me, you know, having come up with with the album being sort of the preferred medium for getting music. I always loved the album format, man. I always thought it was great. I even especially the actual vinyl double fold, all that, you know, man, that was the ultimate. But now, man, it just, you know, it's really it don't it, you know, even if people have time, they don't have time. Yeah. Are, you know? So are you planning to um, <coughs> with these sort of digital releases? Do you want to keep commissioning art to go with that yeah i I would love to i would love to i'd love to eventually tell a story in the same way that the green mile told a story eventually you know i mean i would love it to all come together and to be a a big picture thing in the end you know well you got two captive listeners here brother yeah i've got some stuff coming soon man there'll be there'll be i promise everybody that you know maybe maybe the old school death metal fans might not get it at first man because it's a little trippy but uh got some pretty interesting things coming man yeah well i mean you've you've done some pretty trippy shit before man i would think that if they knew that you were involved they'd be ready to open their minds a little bit i hope so man i mean honestly if you if you're not you know if you're not trying to expand a little bit i don't really know what you're doing you know i actually for maybe that's fine for some people dude honestly it's fine, you know, but for me, dude, I want to do something that I haven't done every single time. That doesn't always happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every song that I that I am a part of is completely different than everything else I've ever done. No, that's just not true. There are some straight up, this is old school death metal, you know, fundamentals right here, and I've been a part of that at times, you know what I mean? And I will be in the future as well because I love it. You know, so, I mean, there's there's times where there is nothing better than to just be straight up 1993 death metal. Right. You know, it, it's <laughs> so what all what what you you keep talking about. Uh, there's some new school flavor in one of the projects that you're working on and some of the old school as well. Um, what all, what all are you listening to today? Are you checking out any recent death metal? Man, I've got the new Necrot. I think it's fucking killer. It's in the Fuck every yes. time I get Every time I get in the, the car, which isn't that often, unfortunately, but that's what I have in a CD player. That's what I'm listening to. And I mean, it's just, man, it's, it, I don't know. It pumps me up like it's fucking 1988. I, I can't even explain that crap. Those guys fucking just, they are the real deal to me, man. They're great. Yeah, they're that the real deal. They're the fucking real deal. I love that crap. When, when, you, when you see those guys, they're, I don't care what room you, it's in, they take over, man. They fucking take over the room and the vibe is all about Necrot, man. And it's 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 cool. It's a dirty, ratty, nasty, 
Yeah, man, it's 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 all of that. It's it's everything it, that metal for me used to be. You know? And another badass bass playing vocalist too. Yeah, man, he's fucking great. Uh, it, honestly, them dudes. It's funny, man. Uh, you know, th- there's so many of these guys that, that you meet, and we're on stage, and like George, like Corpse Grinder, and shit. You know, they, they're big, burly. But then, man, they're just the nicest fucking dudes. And everybody in that crop, man, honestly, they yeah. should all win fucking awards for being incredible people, man. It's 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 just it's it's unreal, man. Those, those, those guys are great, man. They send me stuff all the time. You know, they send me the record, you know, before it was out. They sent me new shirts and all this. And it's I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm glad that I'm on their their list or whatever, man, because. I, I, love, I love the shit out of their music. I think their vibe's incredible. And the fact that they want me to be any kind of part of it, I'm, I'm honored. You know? That's so cool to hear. Yeah, they're, they're super nice dudes. I, I caught them a couple years back and, uh, you know, asked them after their set to, like, take a picture with me for my social media account. And they were like, couldn't have been the three more most excited dudes to take a picture with me, you know, just like those kind of guys. <laughs> it, really, it really stuck with me. I was like, that's fucking really sick, man, you know. Yeah, man, those dudes just, I mean, they're, man, honestly, when I, we did the cannibal tour with, with them and Blood Incantation, and honestly, yeah. man, every time I seen them that crack guys, and every, and, and the dude that worked for them, every time I was around anybody, they were smiling, man. Right. And I mean, dude, that's rare. I mean, you're not going to catch me. Every time you see me, I'm not going to be smiling. I promise you. Sure. You know, like. <laughs> But these guys, man, every time you see them, man, they got a smile and they just got a warm greetings for you. And uh, it's a, you know, it, it's it's a sort of a, a brotherhood there, man. And it's real. It's real. You know, I mean, it's not a fake thing. There's a brotherhood there, you know. Is that it, lads? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Sorry. We're, yeah. We have a little bit of a little bit of a lag with. Uh, oh, OK. OK. With the connection here. But no, that's <clears throat> one of the. um we you all right sure yeah no everything is and dropping out here a little bit um i did since it looks like the the connections going south on me man um steve absolute huge fan of your work thank you so much for talking to us we're looking forward to seeing what you do next uh, before we go, man, we got a, we got a question that we ask everybody. Sure. Zach, man, you want to do the honors? Yes, sir. Steve, got to ask you, what is your favorite? If you have one, what is your favorite black Sabbath record? Mm, what, is it the second black Sabbath record? The one in front of the, the, the uh, in front of the, the waterfall has paranoid and everything on it. That to, or, Honestly, my favorite record would be would be the live evil album. Okay. I, I mean, it's not, I mean, I you know, it's it's so it's a mix of all the music, but it has Dio singing. Okay. You yes. Know, like, That's huge. Yeah, that it, it was it was it was after they had done Mob Rules and yeah. Heaven and Hell. And and it was that tour, but they did all the they did all the classics on there, man. They did everything, you know, they did every every classic song on there. That would have to be if I could only have one Black Sabbath album, that would be the one I take. And to all the haters, fuck you, Dio's the man. No, for, for, he, for absolutely, sure. man. And hearing him do those fucking Aussie songs, he absolutely. He it. Man, it was like I, I heard at one point I heard this the, 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 a demo tape 
of the uh, of of Bruce Dickinson trying out for Iron Maiden. Someone had this cassette, and it was actually the cassette of him trying out live for Iron Maiden. You know, and it, wow. and 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 man, you know, there's just this instant you hear him do Ratchild, and you always loved Ratchild, but then you hear Bruce Dickinson do Ratchild, and it's a whole new monster. That's the way. I feel about Dio, man. Ozzy's awesome, and Ozzy's Ozzy, man. You can't take anything off of Ozzy. He's fucking Ozzy. He's like 867 years old. Sharon's still got his <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, sure. We we all love him. I mean, dude, I I would trade. You know, I I would trade my house to meet him. No, I wouldn't. But like, you know, I mean, I'd love to meet the guy. You know, he's Ozzy. But to me, man, Dio, Dio always for me was the voice. I mean, when I first started singing, that's who I tried to imitate, man. You oh. know, like the, the power, the everything that I do all comes from Dio, man. Wow. It man. all does. That's so cool to hear. And him taking those Aussie songs and just totally owning them and making them his own is huge. And uh, I'd imagine that that can be drawn as a, a parallel to you when you sing the old Morbid Angel shit. Ironically, 20 years later, yes. You know, I mean, ironically, yes, it, it definitely could. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's a, that's an argument for a different day for different people. But for like, sure. uh, but for me, I didn't care. I don't, you know, for me, I, I mean, it's what's the best, man. You know, to me, you know, Iron Maiden was awesome with Diano. I mean, Killers is my favorite Iron Maiden album. But sure. man, you know, it, what what they've done since is, is you know, it, it's its own thing. You know what I mean? It, it's a whole different thing. And I mean, like, to, to be honest with you, even Van Halen after after David Lee Roth, every I mean, to me, David Lee Roth was Van Halen in a way. But then you know, they get Sammy Hagar, man. And maybe I didn't like it as much. But, dude, they sold twice as many records. So, yeah. I mean, you, have to, you, you, you know, arguing who's better, who's the best. The first guy isn't always the best, man. He's definitely not always the most successful. And I mean, dude, Dio. But Dio did it multiple times, bro. He, he wasn't just Black Sabbath. He did it in Rainbow. You know, I mean, he's, he did it multiple times, you know, before he finally stepped off and became just Dio. And yeah. I, so for me, man, Live Evil will always be not only my favorite Black Sabbath, but probably my favorite live album ever. Man. Huge. Dude, that is an awesome, that is an excellent answer. That is one of the best answers that we've gotten for that question so far. Absolutely. Good. A bit long-winded, but hey, fuck it. No, man, like that's... Oh, it's, that's awesome. It's always cool to hear somebody whose music that you love talk about the music that they love. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I, I definitely agree. And we, yeah, we appreciate you talking to us, man. Thank you so very much. Uh, I appreciate the patience, and I apologize for the, the issues, but I'm glad we got it, we got it sorted out, man. Yeah, no, no worries. Man. We hope to talk to you again soon. Lads, have a great night. You too, man. Appreciate your time, Steve. Yes, sir. Guys, have a good one. What a good dude. I was just going to say, what an awesome guy. Yeah, I was going to say. Probably, there we go. He probably just left and forgot to turn it off. Yeah. Uh, I I love I love Steve Tucker, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I can talk to him all day. A super straightforward guy, man. I we I have got to figure something out with this connection shit because uh, every now and then something will drop out and then pop back in. But um, I I think that I got all of the good shit, dude. Yeah, did. I got nervous talking to Steve Tucker. I I feel like I was pretty natural. I feel like the 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 flip the script was flipped today. 
dude, you were killing it today. You guys are <laughs> often. I'm fucking going to smoke weed with them. I'm, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, if nothing else, this podcast opened the door to getting high with Steve Tucker for you. This is. That's it. That's where you want to be, man. But, you know, I just like really fuck with with people like Steve Tucker, just like just old school, solid work ethic, just straightforward, no bullshit, awesome singer. Just will give credit where credit's due and just move on. Like, I just really vibe with that, you know? Yeah, man. Well, hopefully we can get him back on again sometime. Yeah, man, that'd be great. That was great. And we got like, got like what, like three different Steve Tucker projects we're going to be hearing soon too. Holy shit, dude. I'm stoked. Yeah, man. This is a really exciting, exciting hour and 20 minutes, man. I really appreciate it, man. As always, man, been a blast. West, we'll we'll get together soon. Talk soon, brother. Peace out. Don't fall and break your ass tomorrow when you run. I'm not, man. I'm going to be spider walking if I have to. My dude. Later, man. Peace.